Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. This year, we've taken time to um, read word for word through the gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew. I'm still in that song, y'all. That was... That, that, that was good. How many of you think we should have more, 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 more stuff like that, yeah? <laughs> Could we re- rewind and pretend I didn't say Matthew? All right. For that reason, all year long, we've been reading word by word, chapter by chapter, through the gospel of Mark, right? And can you believe it? We're already today to Mark chapter 13. There's only 16 chapters in Mark, and so you guys, I think we're going to do it. The goal was to read through every word, uh, especially focusing on the words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark throughout this year, and to do it before the end of the year, and I believe we are going to make it. We're going to do it, and we're going to get today into Mark chapter 13. In in fact, today we're going to read all of Mark chapter 13, so I hope you came uh, ready to read, right? Who's ready to read the word of God this morning? Listen, Jesus, the Word of God, the Lamb of God, and the King of Kings. Jesus Christ is the eternal Word of God. And then Jesus came, the Bible says that he took on flesh and dwelt among us. And when he did, we saw the glory of God the Father. He's literally the visible image of the invisible God, the express image of the Father. And Jesus is the Lamb of God. In Revelation, it says, the Lamb who was slain from before the foundation of time. See, it was always God's heart, his desire to save us, to redeem us. And Jesus was God's perfect sacrifice. And I love how it says that he was slain before the foundation of time. But when I read the Bible, when I read history, I love that Jesus stepped into time and he died for us. He became the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when you and I, when we gaze upon the lamb of God, when we put our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, his perfect sacrifice to take away sins. We are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are set free, and we, our our, our turn of destination goes from hell to heaven, and we get to experience healing and purpose in life. Jesus is not just the word and the lamb, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king, he's always been the king. But when Jesus rose from the grave, how many of us know Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but on the third day, he resurrected from the dead, right? And he ascended back to the Father. And the, and, the, and the word says that when he ascended back into the Father, he sat at the Father's right hand. And what that really means is that he sat in the place of authority. And the Bible says that all things are now under Jesus' feet. He is the king above all kings. He is the Lord over all lords. And you guys, we have a promise that the king who's always been the king, the king who stepped into time to reveal himself as king, that same king will return and he will reign forever and ever as king of kings. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is coming back. Now turn to somebody else and say, are you ready though? 
king is coming. As we sang this morning, the king is coming. He is coming. That's right. Come on, Don. The king is definitely beyond the shadow of a doubt. King Jesus shall return. And we've already read the end of the story and we see that the kingdom, all the kingdoms of this world have to come and bow down and it all come becomes the kingdom of our God. And he shall reign forever and ever. And good news, y'all, we shall reign with him forever and ever. The king is coming. But now turn to somebody behind you and say, but are you ready? Turn another, another way and say, people get ready. <laughs> Let's do Mark chapter 13. Cool? All right. Are you guys ready to just settle in here for a minute? I'm going to sit down because it's 37 verses. All right. Are we ready? It's not the longest chapter in Mark, but it ain't a quickie. All right. So let's go through Mark chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1 and read all the way through the end. We'll probably pause a little bit along the way. And I'll probably pause to drink water quite often today. So... Let's do it. Are we ready? As he, Jesus, was coming out of the temple grounds, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look at these wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus replied to him, You see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another, which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be fulfilled? Have you ever wondered, when, when is this all going to happen? There's a whole branch of theology called eschatology, right? That is the study of all of this. Jesus began to say to them, be careful and see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name misusing my name or claiming to be the Messiah, saying, I am he. And will deceive and mislead many. You know, the sad thing is that many deceivers, it's not just that many deceivers will come, but they really will deceive many. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of the deceived. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be misled. Jesus is the way. I want to go his way. I don't want to go any other way. Because deception is out there. It's rampant. In every generation, deception increases. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, knowledge will increase. But in Genesis, I don't know that there's all that some, there's something so great about knowledge. Remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And people think they know a lot, but in reality, it's deception. We've got all the information and all the facts and all the stuff. All you got to do is, you know, type in a word in Google and you can find out whatever you want about anything you want. But how much of it is deception? Especially spiritual stuff, y'all. Come on, tell somebody, be careful. Don't be misled. Let's keep reading. And Jesus says, these are all Jesus' words in Mark chapter 13. 
Many will be deceived and misled. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, anybody heard of wars? How about rumors of wars? Do not be alarmed, (laughs) frightened, troubled. These things must take place. But the end is not yet. You ever heard, you know, all these things start happening? It's like it comes in waves. This war and that war and pandemics and famine. And people are like, he's coming back tomorrow. And Jesus said, no, that's not it. (laughs) These things have got to happen. They are signs, but that's not it. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So not just wars between nations, but wars between groups of nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, right? We've had a few of those. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. These things are the beginning of the birth pangs, the intolerable anguish and suffering. Be on your guard. They will turn you over to courts and you'll be beaten in the synagogues and you will stand as accused before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. You know, a lot of us don't really, haven't ever experienced anything like this, but a lot of places around the world, people are having to stand and die for their faith. But so many Americans won't even stand for their faith, much less die. You guys, we've got to learn to stand if we're ever going to be able to die for him. No one's going to want to come and take our life because of our faith if we're not standing for our faith. It takes bravery. It takes courage to say nobody and nothing will take away my faith and my relationship with the living God. No one's going to take away Jesus from me. No one's going to take away my testimony. And no one's going to make me bow down. No one's going to lead me astray. I will not be misled. I will not sell out to the ways of this world. I will stand. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm going to stand. How about you? We've got to learn to stand. And see, here is, I love this next verse. The gospel, that is the good news regarding the way of salvation, must, come on, say must. must. First, be preached to all nations, to all Gentile nations, right? Because Jesus was only with the Hebrews. He was only with the Jews right now in this portion of history. It says that first, the gospel, the good news, has to be preached to all. The the, the word here in the Greek is ethnos, which means every people group, okay? It's not just nations like we have 200, I believe 206 named countries right now. But literally, it means every people group, like every tribe of people on the earth, must have a witness of the gospel before this can happen. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. When they take you over, when they take you and turn you over to the court, don't worry beforehand about what to say, but say whatever is given to you by God in that hour. Don't, uh, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit who will speak through you. Brother will betray brother to be put to death, and father will hand over his child, and children will rise up and take a stand against parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of your association with my name. You ever been hated because of Jesus? You know, in a nation where there are so many Christians, maybe some of us have never experienced this, but 
Have you ever been at least ridiculed, made fun of, looked down on, discriminated against on the job, in the marketplace, in your family? Those who really, really, really live for Jesus, we will face some sort of persecution. Rather, it's intense. Or just being able to put up with people looking down on us. It says we'll be hated. I'll tell you this. If you can't handle if I can't handle being criticized because of my stand for Jesus and his truth, how will I ever be able to stand when it gets worse? If I can't stand firm when the persecution is light, how will I stand when it's heavy? You know, we look up to those who live in oppressive nations that don't permit the preaching of the gospel, how they give their lives. And we look up to them and we think they're awesome and we act like that couldn't come here. Huh. Be on guard. In some ways it's already here. When I read my Bible, it says it's going to intensify. We all waiting on things to get better. Let me tell you this. The world ain't getting no better. We're going to get better. <laughs> Inside of here is going to get better. The gospel is going to go forward and there will be millions and millions and millions and millions upon hundreds of millions of souls come into the kingdom better. But as far as the world system standing against the king, standing against the king of kings, oh no, it's not going to get better. It's just in the end, he's going to go. <laughs> Will we stand with him now while it's sort of easy? Because it says, we'll be hated by everyone because of our association with him. But the one who patiently perseveres, empowered by the Holy Spirit and endures to the end, he will be saved. Not the one who came to the altar and prayed a prayer one day. Now, a lot of times it starts that way. <laughs> but I know a whole lot of people who've come to an altar, prayed a prayer, shook a preacher's hand or raised their hand, or repeated some magic words. But when trouble comes, when you actually have to stand, you back away. And Jesus doesn't promise salvation to those. He promises salvation to those who endure. 
who follow him to the end. If you have been, here's one way to be misled. If you have been misled by gospel preaching that says all you got to do is pray a prayer and you got your eternal security, you know, you got your fire insurance, you're good to go. You don't have to worry about it. You can just kind of be a, you know, pansy or whatever for Jesus and, or be one of those, you know, closet Christians or the secret service or, you know, the secret service of the kingdom. Y'all, there ain't no secret service of the kingdom. <laughs> and pansies will not persevere. And listen, in the closet, it's awful dark. If you're a Christian who's living in the closet, that door's gonna come busting down and you're not gonna be ready. <laughs> come on, tell somebody again. People get ready. It's not about following Jesus for a couple of years because it was exciting. Because it is exciting. But there's some very unexciting things about following Jesus as well. It is a fun adventure throughout which we suffer. We possess the light and live in utter darkness. It's time for brave Christians. It's time for Christians who will stand up, stand out, not give up, not give in, disregard the criticism. Some of us just need to get some butter. In fact, we get, need to get some anointing oil on our back to just let all that stuff just roll right off, right? Roll it back on Jesus. Be careful now. Seeing a lot of Christians rather than endure criticism they fighting right back on social media just trying to prove themselves i don't often say this word from the pulpit but that is so stupid that's just plain stupid because listen that doesn't win any battles it just makes us look insecure i don't need to prove jesus to anybody do you I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I don't stand for me. You don't need to, you don't need to prove God or yourself to anybody. God's going to be God. You stand for him. And let people bite all over each other and consume each other, arguing and spatting and Doing all that happens, especially, Lord, have mercy on social media today. You know what you ought to do? Take a stand and be immovable. Because he's worth it. And if I endure to the end, oh, promised, promised, salvation forever <laughs> you guys this is all going to be over pretty soon 
rather Jesus comes back tonight, tomorrow, next week, next year, or we go to be with him. It's all going to be over pretty soon. We just have to endure. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the temple sanctuary, I'm sorry, we're continuing here with the next verse. I wait until we get it. When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the temple sanctuary where it ought not be, let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea must uh, flee to the mountains. I'm not going to take time to go deep into this. This comes from the prophecy of Daniel. And it has to do with the Antichrist. It has to do with uh, basically the world proclaiming itself as God instead of God. That is a very long and detailed prophetic study that you can do on your own. But uh, you guys, um, uh, we're seeing a version of this at least already. <laughs> you say, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's okay. All right. Go and read and understand, Okay. Whoever's on the housetop must not go down to enter the house or go inside to take anything out of his house. Whoever's out in the field must not turn back to get his coat. And woe to those women who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that it not occur in winter, for at that time there will be such tribulation as has not occurred from the beginning of creation, which God made until now, and never will be again. And if the Lord had not shortened the days, the, uh, had not shortened the days, no human life would be saved, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose for himself, he shortened those days. This is a prophecy that has two fulfillments. The first one was the destruction of Jerusalem that was about to happen. Jesus was prophesying it, and it actually happened. I believe it was 70 years later, or a little less than 70 years later. He was prophesying that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, and that pray that it not happen in winter because you're going to have to flee to the hills, right? But also this is a, uh, a foreshadowing of the second coming, how we ought to live ready, right? For it could come at any moment. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, or look, he's there. Do not believe it. If somebody has to tell us it's Jesus, it's not Jesus. Believe me, everybody's going to know when it's him. Don't be listening to foolish nonsense. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and they will provide signs and wonders in order to deceive. I love how it's quiet to the word of God today. I know you're not sleepy. I can see it's, it, it's hitting us, isn't it? There's a reverence for God's word, especially when you read about stuff like this. <laughs> if there's not a reverence to God, God's word, you are not ready. <laughs> it's all right. You can get ready today. If such a thing were possible, even the elect, those God has chosen for himself, could be deceived, it says. Be on your guard, but be on your guard. I've told you everything in advance. 
I also know Christians who are worried that they have to figure things. We don't have to figure anything out about the second coming. All we've got to do is be ready. In fact, all those little rabbit trails that are trying to figure it out always end up without the rabbit. (laughs) I love eschatology, but it is a study that will lead you kind of (laughs) hanging. But in those days, after the suffering of, and distress of that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. Yikes. The moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky. Doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory and royal majesty and splendor. You guys, not going to be able to miss him. (laughs) He's coming on the clouds. And then he'll send out the angels and will gather his elect, those he has chosen for himself from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and it puts out leaves, you recognize that summer is near, right? We don't really do fig trees in Georgia too much, but as soon as the dogwoods start blooming, you know, (laughs) we know spring is here and summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, know for certain that he is near. I love it doesn't say it is near. People talking about when is the end of the world. I don't know about the end of the world, but I know about the end of the way the world is right now. Uh, But I know he is near. He is near. Right at the door. (laughs) We don't know when that door is going to fling wide, but I can tell you, he's already at the door. I assure you and solemnly say to you that this generation, and now he's referring again to the destruction of Jerusalem. Prophecy sometimes actually has three meanings. It can signify something from the past. It can signify something that's about to happen. And it always points to the second coming as well, okay? And now what he's talking about is that Jerusalem, he's warning the Jews that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, and it's a precursor, it's a symbol of the second coming as well. Say, I assure you, Mosalem said to you, this generation, the people living when these signs and events begin will not pass away until all these things have taken place that generation saw the destruction of Jerusalem and a lot of people believe that the sign of the generation of the second coming is when Israel became a nation again anybody know when that happened 1940 what yeah 1948 okay nine eight 
Yes. I don't have time to go into it, but there are a lot of reasons to believe that that the generation that saw, okay, many are still alive, okay, that saw Israel that had not been officially a nation for a very, 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 very long time, (laughs) right, centuries, become a thing again, Israel, did, did, maybe you didn't know that, did you know that, remember the exile and all that happened and and God brought them back, but they were under the oppression of, of, of Rome. And then we see all these kingdoms rise up. And Israel was, was, was never like officially its own thing until 1948. Some of you think, you know, uh, that sounds like a long time ago. You guys, that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> we may have sitting here today someone that was alive when that happened. Y'all okay? Lots of thinking today, right? Everybody's going to go home and study. Good. Oh, I love this next part, though. All right. Ready? (laughs) Heaven and earth, as we now know, will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Things are changing. Things have always been changing. And things are always going to change. But there's one unchangeable thing. And that's the word of God. That's the one thing we can stand on. The issue is, a lot of Christians have changed the word of God to go with the way things are changing. Don't be misled. The word of God remains. His truth remains the same. People try to change the word of God because it doesn't fit their way of thinking. What needs to change is my way of thinking to fit the word of God. I don't know about you, but when I got born again, (laughs) Jesus did not adapt to me. (laughs) I had to adapt to him. And I continue to adapt. Said, do you believe in evolution? I believe in that kind of evolution. I have greatly evolved ever since being born again. And Jesus has not evolved. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word remains. But of that exact day or hour, no one knows. No one Even those people that think they know, 
You ever had that friend that thinks they know when Jesus is coming back? And then that day comes and goes. And they have a reason why they weren't totally wrong. Entire faults, cults, and sects have been formed around that. Jesus is coming back on so-and-so that he didn't come back. Well, actually, he did come back in the spirit. No, you just got a wrong spirit. But you can repent. It's okay. No one knows. No one knows. No one. Not even the angels in heaven nor the son in his humanity, but the father alone. Jesus as a man... Remember, he emptied himself of his divinity when he came to the earth. His eternal knowledge when he lived on the earth, that's not something that he operated out of. (laughs) He became a man. Come on, y'all. We know Jesus didn't perform miracles and raise the dead and open blind eyes as God. He did it as a man. That's why it's good news that we can do it too. Because Jesus didn't do it as God. He did it as a man full of the spirit of God. That's why he said, we will do the same things. We'll never be God, but we can be men and women full of the spirit of God, right? That's why Jesus said, in my humanity, I don't even know when I'm coming back. So don't think you can. We can see the signs, but nobody can know the day or the time exactly. Only the father. Last paragraph, be on guard. Come on, lightly punch your neighbor and say, be on guard. If anybody's sleepy, slap them and say, be alert. I didn't really mean slap. Oh, here, this is so important. This is so, so important. Be on guard and stay constantly alert. Not alert sometimes. Constantly alert and what? Pray. It's almost like he's saying, that's how you stay constantly alert. All right, we'll come back to that. For you do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like a man away on a journey who when he left home and put his, he put his servants in charge, each with a particular task. Come on, tell somebody, you have a particular task. And also ordered the doorkeeper to be continually alert. Continually alert. Therefore, be continually on the alert. I feel like that's a theme here. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. Stay alert. In case he should come suddenly and unexpectedly, you find yourself asleep and unprepared. What I say to you, I say to everyone, be on the alert and stay awake and be continually cautious. Wow. There is so much in this chapter, but we're not going to get absorbed in trying to figure out the details, okay? Take note of all the signs. Take note. Like Jesus said, the leaves are budding, it's springtime. Summer's coming. 
Take note. Be aware. But don't try to figure it all out. Don't become absorbed in all of the details. Because my friends, that is a distraction. Yes, we live for that day, but we've got to live now to be ready for that day. We don't shut ourselves at home and sit down and wait until Jesus comes back and it's all going to be over. Because then we won't fulfill our particular task. So this is the theme. If I could put one sentence... Okay? Well, before I say it, this is the deal. He is coming soon, but our focus and energy mustn't be on when he's coming. Our focus and our energy must be on being ready for him to come. And if I could say Jesus gives us one big takeaway in Mark 13, it is this. Are you ready? It's going to be on the screen. It's in your outline if you're looking in your Bible app, okay, or on the the printed one. This is it. This is the big takeaway. Are you ready? The way to be ready for Jesus' return is to live ready every day. Because we don't know when it's going to be, so the only way I'll be ready is if I live ready. Sorry, we're not there yet. (laughs) People get ready. (laughs) Sorry. I will say that again at the end. I want to give you how. So that sounds nice. The way to be ready is to live ready. Okay. So how? That's right. I'll give you three words. How? These three words, these three concepts can and should absolutely transform our life. Ready? Aware. Care. And share. Aware. Care. And share. 
You guys, I just want to ask real quick for us to fight for something. Let's fight for our attention today. I don't know what the deal is. There's, a, there's, there's, a, a, there's, there's like a distraction thingy going on. Let's fight for our attention today so that we can hear what the Lord is saying to us, okay? <laughs> First, aware. <laughs> How can I be ready? I got to live ready. How can I live ready? Number one, aware. Be aware. Live our lives aware. Okay? He said it again and again and again. Back in Mark 13, one of the times he says, be on the alert, stay awake, and be continually cautious. Stay awake and be continually cautious. No spiritual napping, you guys. <laughs> you don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be caught off guard. How? How can I stay aware? Here's the how. Daily devotion. Daily devotion. We need to daily commune with Jesus. We need to daily hear his voice. We need to daily receive direction from him. How? What should I do on a daily basis? The word and prayer. Word and prayer. First of all, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but there's one thing that won't pass away. My, my word shall not pass away. Right? What good are his words if we don't know him? Well, they're great good, but what good are his words to me if I don't know him? We daily need the word of God. You guys... It's too dark. We need light. If we don't have the light of the word of God in our lives on a regular basis, we will get in trouble. We live in a dark world that's getting darker and darker. Without the light, we won't make it. Without the word... We won't make it, you know. Psalm 119 says that his word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I don't know about you, but I need word. I need light every day. <laughs> I need light every day so that I don't bump into things all over the place and trip and die. Be careful. Some of us look at reading the Bible like, you know, read your Bible daily. Oh, that's just a religious rule. Okay. How's that working for you? Go try to drive down a dark road at night and not turn on your headlights. And we'll see how that works. It won't take long. It doesn't work. 
you will die or at least get greatly injured. So why should I read the Bible every day? Because we need light every day. The second thing we need to do to be aware, to keep our daily devotion right, is prayer. And Jesus said, be on guard and stay constantly alert and pray. Prayer is how we stay constantly connected to Jesus. Say, I don't pray very much. I'll change that. <laughs> wow. Say, I don't make it a habit to pray every day. Now is a really good time to change that. I mean, it's only if you want to be ready. I mean, if you don't want to be ready for Jesus to return or for you to go to him before, right? Because that's the one way he returns every day. <laughs> Hello? So I don't know about all this reading the Bible and praying and okay. <laughs> It, it's only if you want to be ready. I want to be ready. Come on, say aware. Number two, care. Back in Mark 13, it says the, the master of the home left his home and put his servants in charge, each with a particular task. We've all been given a particular task to accomplish. Listen, we've all been given a particular task to accomplish in the earth and we have to care about it. We've all been given individual tasks to accomplish but there are certain things we've all been called to accomplish. And we have to care about it. But let me tell you, I know we could talk a lot about the things we ought to care about, right? But I'm not going to take time because we don't have time. In fact, my time is almost up. So I'm going to tell you the one thing that we often don't think about as part of being ready for the second coming of Jesus. And that is this, take care of one another. If we're going to be ready, we must take, take care of yourself and one another. You say, why are you saying that? Let's take it from Hebrews today. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The, more, the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more we need to take care of one another. We each have been given a particular task and none of us can do it alone. We need each other to fulfill each, uh, each of our particular task. 
We're a body. We're a family. And we can't make it if we don't take care of one another. It's one thing to stand, but it's hard to stand alone. We're not called to stand alone. We're called to stand with locked arms, shoulder to shoulder, together. When one starts to, to lean, get back here. Uh-uh, not today. My mission in life isn't just to make it to heaven. It's to make it to heaven with all of y'all. Be faithful to church. And I don't say that because I want your butt warm in our chair. If this thing goes like it ought to go, we ought to need a lot more chairs and a lot bigger of a building. But that's not why I'm saying that. I'm not telling you be faithful to come to church because I want all of you here. I want all of you here because I love you. It's fun to be together most of the time. Some of the, most of the time. No, listen, you may not believe it, but you need others to make it. I need others to make it. Be faithful to church. Be a part of a discipleship group where you can not just being, you know, I have a bunch of friends at church. No, I have a handful of close friends and we stand together. If you've never, if, you've not, if you're not part of a discipleship group, connect and commit to one. I wasn't planning to do this, but just very briefly, just quickly, if you lead a discipleship group or co-lead a discipleship group, just stand up and wave. All of these people lead or co-lead discipleship groups, all right? Thank you guys. And there are others that are serving with kids out there. All right, connect with one of them. Get committed in a discipleship group if you have not yet because believe it or not, you do need. <laughs> we do need one another. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips, trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Come on, y'all. It is worth getting rid of anything that would hold you back. You got to care for yourself and care for one another. I've got to care enough for myself to, to get rid of, first of all, that sin that keeps tripping me up. And that's one of the reasons we need one another. Sometimes we need help to get rid of stuff. Sometimes we need help to get over stuff. Sometimes we need an accountability, somebody who we can confess to, somebody that can pray for us. Care enough for yourself to be connected to the body. Care enough for yourself to get rid of anything that can hold you back, that could stop you from running the race to the end. Because remember, it's he who endures to the end that will be saved. Still in Hebrews 12, this is 14 and 15, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. A what kind of life? Holy. 
A what kind of life? Oh, not a popular word in our generation. Unfortunately, not a popular word in our church. Well, not our church. Y'all know what's up. We don't play that. We don't play that because of the next phrase. Just read it on your own. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. I mean, I don't understand why there are Christians, literally Christians, believers, who really think they're Christians, but live like the world. I mean, it doesn't say those who are perfect won't see the Lord. Because if that were the case, ain't nobody ready. If that were the case, I'm a fried egg, sunny side up. Look, it says, live in peace with everyone. Work at it anyway. <laughs> work at it. Just like we got to work to live a holy life. I thought this was the gospel of grace. Why are you talking about works? It takes work. Now, it's not our works that get us forgiven. It's not our works that earn salvation. But let me tell you, brother, sister, once you're saved, it takes work to live holy. Because it means going against the grain. It means going against the flow. It means stripping things off that are in our way. It means getting rid of stuff that is in our way. I'm going to start at 14 again. Work at living with peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. We can fail to receive it. It's not that it's not there. It's not that it's not free. But we can fail to receive it. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Lord Jesus, that could be another whole hour of the sermon, but I'm trying to finish. So let's just, let's just leave it at this right here. Ready? Let's help one another live holy. I need you to help me live holy. Come on, just, just turn to somebody and tell them, I need you to help me live holy. Turn to somebody else and say, Te necesito que me ayudes, ayúdame a vivir santo, a vivir una vida de santidad. Turn to somebody else and say, yo preciso de ti. Oh, help me. Para viver. Uma vida. 
de santidade. Now turn around and say, Shatalabakasando. No, 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 all right, no. But this is the reality. We need God's help, but we need each other's help. Help one another to live holy. But you know what we have, to, one of the things we have to help one another with? It says it right here. We literally have to help each other stay free from bitterness. Because if there's one thing that'll send you really quickly down the wrong road, is holding on to a fence and getting bitter. You want to backslide, fast track? Get bitter. Bitter leads to backsliding. Seen it too many times. I've seen it too many times. You can be on fire for Jesus. And somebody hurts your feelings, mainly at church, normally. You will not, you hold on to it. You might even say, I forgive you, but you don't really do it. And that thing turns into a root that sprouts into a bitter plant and a bitter tree that will take over your life. And all of a sudden, you'll turn around and go, where did I leave Jesus? And it's not that he left you, you left him. That's what bitterness does. Jesus, for a very good reason, said, forgive so that you can receive forgiveness. Such a big part of living holy is being forgiving. Oh man, each of these could be a sermon, I promise. This is the last one and it'll be fast. Share, right? Aware, care, and share the gospel that is the good news regarding the way of salvation must first be preached to all gentile nations we just read that in mark matthew's version of it matthew 24 verses 12 through 14 sin will be rampant everywhere huh. and the love of many will grow cold it feels like from 2019 to almost 2022, fast track, winter, cold. Don't nobody love each other anymore? Everybody hates each other. Even people that used to love each other hate each other. Christians hate people. And people definitely hate Christians. <laughs> Sin isn't hiding in some corner lately. It's rampant and flamboyant everywhere. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now you got it right. <laughs> it was my fault. I'm sorry. All right. And listen. We're about to come into a very serious moment, so I want to ask this. I know, I don't know what all has been going on, but there's been an awful lot of getting up and down and going in and out, and I know kids are screaming and crying. I don't know what's going on. Could we, for the next five minutes, just, just stay seated? Or, well, I'm going to make you stand up in a minute, but let's just focus. 
Let's reverence the word in the presence of God. It says, the good news about the kingdom will be, not should be, not must be. In Mark it says must be, but Matthew says will be. This is a reality. It must be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Now, maybe you know this, but maybe you don't. Growing up, I read this and I heard that there's still so and so many millions of people that have never heard the gospel. So and so many people groups that have never heard the gospel. We used to call this thing the 1040 window. It's this area of the world where most people have never heard the gospel, right? And it seemed impossible. Like, it seemed literally impossible that anytime soon, the whole world could hear the gospel. Maybe you didn't know that there are still like a billion people that have never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's actually a little more than that. But the only way now I know how to describe it is that at breakneck speed, like over the past decade, the number of people that have never heard the gospel has, it's not doing this, it's doing this. Like, it's happening fast, y'all. And what, what, what took literally centuries for the first billion people, the second billion, like for the population to percentage-wise hear the gospel, it took centuries for the percentage to grow to what it grew to in the 90s. And from the 90s until now, it has super fast been reduced to a much, much smaller group. And listen, through, through technology today, there are literally people who live in the tops of trees, like, like people that wear no clothes, that live in trees, okay? There are villages in the canopy of the rainforest who are being dropped from airplanes, little transmitters. And the only thing it plays <laughs> is the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you may have heard me say this before, but you know, we partner with a ministry called Surge that plants churches around the world. They've literally planted a couple of churches in trees where people live in the trees. Now they not only heard the gospel, they've got pastors and evangelists. The gospel is being preached almost everywhere now. I mean, we're this close. But we have to share it. We have to share it. Because the absolutely crazy thing, it's like this dichotomy I would have never imagined. While people in the darkest corners of the earth are finally hearing the gospel, we have a Gen Z. Many of them never heard 
for real, the gospel. Right here, right around the corner in our city. They don't know the Bible from the Odyssey and the Iliad. They may have heard about church or driven by one, but they've never heard the message of the good news. There are people that have heard, but what they've seen was a bad testimony of the gospel. Because I don't want us to just think, oh, we just need to pray for the nations to finally hear. We must share and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ right in our neighborhood, right in our workplace, right in our campus, in our city, in our community. Because the king is coming, y'all. And that's good news. That's good news that people must hear. And when you and I share the gospel, when you, listen, it doesn't take a preacher. If you were here last Sunday, it doesn't take a preacher to preach the gospel. All you've got to do is tell people what Jesus has done for you, who he is and what he's done for you. And when we share the good news with another person, we make a way for the king to come. We've got to live aware. We've got to take care. And we've got to share the good news. Come on, say it with me. Aware. aware. Care. Care. Share. Share. The king is coming. King is coming. Are you ready? Jesus is coming back. And the way to be ready is to live ready. Way to be ready to live ready I'll just be bold enough to say it's probably some of us that haven't been living ready you know the king is coming back he's returning but it's important to understand why he came in the first place the first time save us there was no way for you and I to save ourselves there was no way for you and I to redeem ourselves so he came and did it for us the king left his throne his eternal throne 
in heaven and came as one of us, not as king, but as a servant. <laughs> the lamb that in the father's heart was slain from for the foundation of time came into time and was killed. He was crucified and he became the lamb of God, God's lamb, God as a lamb who took my sin and your sin he took it all the sins of the whole world he took it upon himself and he became the one and only acceptable sacrifice to take away our sins and in order to be forgiven in order to be redeemed we have to look at Jesus and believe We have to look at the cross and believe in the sacrifice he made and the price he paid and believe that he didn't just die, but then he defeated sin and conquered sin, death, hell, the grave, sickness, the devil, and darkness by rising from the grave. And then he ascended back to the Father. Listen where he, he, he said he was going to prepare a place for us. He ascended back to the Father and now there's a place for us to come where we can be saved, where we can be safe, forgiven, redeemed, free from the consequences of sin. The King came to serve us and save us have you made the king king jesus the king of your life listen i i don't mean i said it earlier but i don't mean have you prayed that special prayer that is definitely part of it and if you've never even prayed to receive Jesus, today is the day for you. Now is your day. Now is the time for you to be saved. But the only way I can be sure that I'm going to be saved is if I follow Jesus until the end. It's got to start somewhere. <laughs> you must be born again, Jesus said. You must be born again. Today, if you've never been born again, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I didn't say if you've heard or just simply believed, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, if you've never repented of your sin and turned away from this world and made Jesus the Lord and the King of your life, today is the day, right now is the moment to repent of your sin, to receive salvation to make Jesus your Lord and King. Start that journey of following Him. Just trying to follow the Holy Spirit, what I feel Him saying to do right now. is a little different
If that's you, if you need to be born again, I want you to stand. Just stand up. Praise God for your courage today. Just stay, just stay standing up. Who else says that's me? I need to be born again. I need to be born again. I need to give my life to Jesus. Okay, here's the next one. I know it in my spirit. Maybe, maybe you realize today, maybe you already knew it, but maybe you realize today you truly are backslidden because you haven't been standing for Jesus. And maybe, yes, maybe you got born again. Maybe you made a decision to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. But you know you haven't really been following Jesus for real and standing for him. How about you stand for him now and say, today I make a decision. I'm going to stand for him. Come on. Praise God for your courage. Who else says that's me? I've been backslidden, but I'm coming back today. Come on, stand up. All right. Say standing. I don't know who else it is. Who else says that's me? Mm. Just remain standing. Thank you. I, I can't shake that there's at least another person or two. This is a moment, it's a very crucial moment of decision for you. Am I gonna do this thing for real? Am I really, truly going to follow Jesus? All right. Come on. Just stay standing. Listen, he, he hung on the cross for you. Completely disgraced, naked, bleeding out. We can stand for him. I remember the day I made this decision and stood up and said, me. I literally crawled up to the altar. I felt the presence of God so strong. I couldn't walk. I just crawled up there. Come on, is that anybody else? I know I'm taking longer than usual for this, but there's a reason for that. I want you to be ready. He wants you to be ready. Come on, let me say it like this. If you're sitting there going, I'm not sure. I think so. I think maybe. I'm not sure. How about you make a for sure decision today? If you say, I'm for sure. I think I've given my life to Jesus, but I'm not sure. But today I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm I'm making a for sure decision to follow Jesus. Come on, if that's you, come on. Yes. Praise God. Anybody else say that's me? Just stand. Okay. I want to ask you guys to be super brave and walk up here and stand up here in the front. And there are a few more. I, I really believe that there may be one or two more. You didn't stand up, but you need to come up here too because that's you. An extra, extra long service with an extra, extra long word today to get to this point. 
because we're not playing y'all God is not playing and the way he wants to move in our city and in our generation this is not a game this is serious revival is coming but it's going to take some very bold and courageous people to stand up and say I'm going to live for Jesus But before I move on to the next thing, I want you guys to do something. I want everybody in the house to stand and stretch your hands towards these. If you still need to be up here, get up here. Come on, don't waste another opportunity. Somebody else, you need to get up here. I don't know who it is. Don't waste your opportunity. To make a stand and say, yes, Jesus, yes, yes, yes. Jesus. Those of you who are here making the decision, if, if you would just lift both of your hands up to him right now. Just lift both hands up. See, when we lift our hands up like this, it's like saying, I let go. Maybe you would even say that right now. I let go. I let go. And I surrender to Jesus today. I surrender to you, Jesus, today. I'm going to pray a prayer that I'm going to ask you to pray. You can use my words or you can change them into your own words. The important thing is you've got to mean it. It's got to be a for real decision. And I'm going to ask the whole church family, let's support these that are taking a stand today and say yes to Jesus. Let's pray this all together. Again, you can repeat my words or you can use your own, but mean it. Come on, let's say, Lord Jesus Christ. All together, Lord Jesus Christ. You came from heaven to earth. The way, the truth, the life. The eternal king, the eternal lamb, the eternal word. You came to live for me and die for me. You carried on the cross in your own body all of my sin, all of my guilt. Jesus, I believe you are the lamb of God who takes away my sin. Jesus, I surrender to you. I believe in you. Take my sins away. Jesus, I repent. I no longer want to go my way. I want to go your way. Jesus, I believe you rose from the grave. You are alive forevermore. And you are coming back again. Jesus, today I make a decision. I will follow you to the end of time, all the days of my life. Help me. Help me. Come on, this is important, y'all. Let's pray for these up here. Let's just lift your hands up. Help me. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. In fact, I need pastors uh, available to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill these. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without the Holy Ghost. We cannot do it. There's no way we can follow him without the Holy Spirit. Oh. Come on, pastors. Or if you're the, if you're the uh, discipleship group leader of one of these, 
if you would come and help us pray come on let's all lift our hands to heaven and say we need you holy spirit oh we need you come on this is so important this is so important we're going to pray for more here in just a minute but church let's pray for these let's pray for them oh lord help them to stand for you jesus help them to stand firm in their decision to follow you jesus oh may they be filled with the holy ghost may they be filled with power may they be filled with power to live for you even die for you to stand for you lord jesus to follow you until the end Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.